From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., Governor Tony Evers made it official on Saturday night during the virtual state Democratic convention. He is running for a second term in November of next year. Evers says he's seeking re-election because more work needs to be done, and he needs to keep Republican-authored legislation in check through his veto powers. Several Republicans have indicated they'd like to challenge Evers next year, but none more so than former Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Clayfish. When do you think she'll announce her bid? Well, the expectation is that now that Evers is in, uh, we've got the budget, we'll be done through the legislature and signed by the governor probably sometime, or vetoed by him sometime in early July, late June. So the guess is that things are going to heat up later this summer and start to see people falling into place. Uh, There are a number of people who are thinking about running, but Clayfish is the only one who's actually building a foundation right now to get in. You know, I mean, Kevin Nicholson has also been Think about both the Senate race and the governor's race, and he's been doing some things as well. But we think his heart's more running for U.S. Senate than it is running for governor. You know, and others are taking steps, like Bill McCoshin, a longtime Madison lobbyist and former member of Tommy Thompson administration. But, you know, all eyes are on Clayfish to announce probably first and, and likely sometime this summer. Do you think we'll see a competitive Republican primary, or might the GOP clear the field for Rebecca Clayfish? I don't think the party is going to try to clear the way for Clayfish. Um, there will be a, an endorsement vote at the Republican State Convention in 2022 that could uh, benefit whoever would be able to win that endorsement. But as far as Republican contenders, there are a lot of people talking about it. I mean, names like Eric Hovde, a Madison businessman, Chris Kappinga, state senator from Delafield. You know, Sean Duffy's been mentioned as a possible candidate, former congressman from up in the Wausau area. Uh, Mike Gallagher, uh, current congressman from Green Bay. There are a lot of names we're circling as possible uh, candidates for governor. But Clayfish is building something. Um, she's got a head start. What complicates the picture a little bit is that we don't know what Ron Johnson's going to do. And Ron Johnson's made clear that he's not in any hurry to make a decision and may not make one until early next year. Well, that makes it for like Kevin Nicholson, for example. We People I talk to believe his heart more is in running for U.S. Senate than the governor's race. So if you're Nicholson, what do you do? Do you look at the governor's race and think there's an opportunity there and, and jump in there. But then would you possibly try and move to the Senate race if, if Johnson doesn't run? I mean, that's kind of a tough thing to, to figure out. But Clayfish is clearly focused on running for governor. She's building the foundation, the infrastructure to do it. So she's got a head start. Um, the flip side, though, of that, though, is that she isn't really scaring anybody off right now. I mean, the fact that there are some people thinking about it show that they don't think she's so far ahead that they can't catch up. Uh, I had a Republican kind of argue to me last week that, you know, reminded me that in the 5th Congressional District in 2020, there's a ton of talk about who might run for that seat because Jim Sensenbrenner had been there for so long, and there were all the Republican names were mentioned as candidates for the 5th. In the end, it was Scott Fitzgerald and kind of a, a political newcomer who ran. You might see something similar here where a lot of people talk about it, but in the end don't pull the trigger. So uh, it's kind of hard to know how competitive the primary will be right now or how big it could be, it could be a wide-open, huge race, or it could be just a handful of people. We just don't know. It depends on if those other folks thinking about it get serious and see an opportunity to run for for governor themselves. 
Also last week, Governor Evers indicated he might veto the entire budget that Republican legislative leaders are currently writing after they scrapped his proposal. Evers made his remarks after Republicans announced they would spend only 10 percent of what he had proposed on K-12 schools. Evers called that amount an insult to our kids and said a veto of the entire state budget was on the table. What do you think are the chances of this happening? Well, they're probably better than they were before education packages put down by Republicans. Part of the issue is the federal government requires a, it's called maintenance of effort, to qualify for all the federal funding coming to schools as part of the COVID packages. Now, basically, you have to maintain your current spending commitment to uh, education as a, as a form of percentage of what you're spending in your general purpose revenue, basically your state tax dollars. It's not clear yet if what Republicans are doing would fit that requirement, and the budget isn't done. So one big hiccup or hitch for Evers is they're right now not in compliance with that requirement. The pause, the caveat is the budget's not done. So once they're done with the budget and joint finance and through both houses, you'll see if it does meet that maintenance effort requirement. The other thing is, while Evers isn't happy about schools, you know they still have uh, road roads to do, um, health care, these other priorities that uh, the governors that will see what they do that might produce uh, groups that want the governor to sign the budget. So it's not yet a done deal what this needs to look like. So you can't really say for sure the chances of, of Evers vetoing it because he has this in the final document and how everything lines up. Two, uh, the governor knows and his people know that if he vetoes the, the budget that lawmakers send him, they're not doing another one. Uh, it's not like it, they're just not going to take it up. Their attitude has been there's so much federal money coming in, these various COVID packages, that if the governor isn't happy with what they do, then he can figure out a way to uh, cover those things with his federal money that he's got because it's only up to him how to spend it. So they know there's a risk there. If they don't sign that budget, they're not getting another one. You have to, you have to weigh that against um, the demands of other people saying, look, they're not doing Medicaid expansion. They're not doing as big as a, a K-12 investment as you want. You know, what do you do then? So it'll be interesting to watch, but uh, well, again, the chances are higher than they were before, but I'm not quite sure that it's a something that's more likely than not that Evers would veto the entire thing. And finally, the state legislature is moving into a floor period that is expected to last the rest of the month. Several hot-button issues are coming up for votes this week, including police use of force, chokeholds, absentee ballots, and bans on requiring vaccines. There could be a vote on whether to drop the extra $300 in federal unemployment money for those laid off during the pandemic. We may even see a vote on banning transgender athletes from competing in girls' and women's sports. What do you think this month will look like with this flurry of legislation? It's going to be busy. There's also that they're planning to add more time on the floor this fall to do bills. Um, I think part of what's going on is in June is Republicans want to get some election bills done, uh, some other priorities because they have a state convention in the end of June. They want to be able to go back to their base and say, look, this is all the stuff that we did that you guys have been clamoring for. Um, there will be a series of bills sent to the governor who I'm fairly confident will veto quite a number of them. Um, last time we checked, the governor was around 17 or 18 vetoes so far in terms of full bills being vetoed this session. The most in a two-year session going back to the 80s, I think was 21 fairly confident governor is going to blow right by that number for the session is done. What's interesting is in the first two years of his term, the attitude seemed to be that there wasn't really a point in a lot of hot button topics because he was just going to veto it anyway. So why bother going through the vote to do it? 
there's much more of a clamoring, it seems like, from Republicans to pass a number of bills that are controversial, even if they're not going to pass, because A, there's an election coming up next year, and they can put both the governor and Democrats in difficult positions, and, and B, the base is calling for it. So things like change election policies, they're going to plow through with them, even though the governor's going to veto them, because Republican-based voters right now are calling for changes because they believe that there's something off with how elections are run in Wisconsin. And, you know, probably driven by President Trump or former President Trump pushing the narrative of there was, you know, the election was stolen, quote-unquote, from all that kind of was rigged. Uh, there's not any evidence of that in Wisconsin that it was stolen, but Republicans feel like they need to change, at least try to change election laws to satisfy a base that's convinced that there's something amiss in how elections were run in Wisconsin last year. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.